This episode of the Gwinnett Podcast is brought to you by Kane Injury Law. Now on to the show. Welcome listeners, you are listening to Gwinnett Magazine's Gwinnett Podcast. I'm Nate McGill, one of the hosts. We're going to hop right in to this talk with David Greer. Me and him sat down to discuss what is a magazine and also about how he kind of got into the business. And let's just jump in right now and get to it with David Greer, publisher of Gwinnett Magazine. Today I want to really talk about a question that came up from one of our interns that's getting ready to start on the Converge internship program. And the young lady said that she was looking forward to seeing how magazines work. And so I'm thinking like, well, how do they work? Because I've only been doing this like 20-something years, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that. But the thing that did occur to me right off the bat is we have to define what is a magazine these days. Because we are known as Gwinnett Magazine, and I've been doing this, like I said, for like 20-something years. But what I find is that people don't understand the breadth of a magazine now because it's not just ink on paper and pages. These days, a magazine, if you're going to be a successful magazine, requires that you're communicating and telling stories through all the mediums. So a magazine today is a print product. It is a website. It's an email newsletter. It's social media. It's podcasts. It's video stories. It's this whole body of work. It's like a vehicle to carry stories to our audience. And because communication have changed, um, the way that we tell those stories has changed. Where 20 years ago when we started, um, all we worried about was print. That, that was it. A magazine was print. And you had subscribers and you had, um, you had choo-choo trains that carried the magazines to the destination. Um, and there goes a load right now of Gwinnett Magazine down the track. Um, so, you know, point being that, that, that some people's perception of a magazine is still 20 years ago, but as a magazine publisher, when we talk about magazines, we're talking about that multi-platform delivery. So the premise of a magazine is basically this, is like you have a body of work or a collection of stories and you deliver those to an audience. And what you hope is that that audience is the same audience that local businesses want to talk to. So we draw them to our body of work um, because they're interested in a story about fishing, dancing, accounting, law. And while we have their interest, our advertisers come in and try to interrupt their attention span for a little bit and talk to them about their product. Um, one modern-day aspect of magazines is this, because when you think about it, you can Google anything you want to know. So a lot of people ask the question, well, why is there room for a magazine when anybody with a cell phone can Google and find countless articles about anything they want to read about? And I'll tell you what the reason is. What people pay for and what they're interested in is because they're so busy and because information is so vast and widespread, they actually look to a magazine as a filter. You know, the, the, the magazine is a filter for them. 
Um, they pay us to be their eyes and ears to some respect. And so in our case, we are the people who pull together news and stories that have to do with Gwinnett. Instead of them going out and finding all these individual bits of information on their own, they come to Gwinnett Magazine because they they pay us to be, um, what do you call the museum people? Curators. Yeah, the curator kind of... Um, watches over and oversees and takes care of these little stories. And so we're kind of a curator and we are an aggregator too. We, um, and, and what that means, you know, cause those are big words sometimes, but aggregator pulls together all this information and, and puts it in an orderly fashion and, 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 um, presents it to the audience in a nice convenient way for them. So that's really the purpose these days of a magazine is, is that, on our reader's behalf, we're out there searching and exploring for story ideas that we think our audience might be interested in. So a magazine these days is just really that filter, that organizer, curator, aggregator of information. And we also are an originator. You know, um, One of the ways I like to talk about it is this way. When you're writing for a magazine or producing video or audio or whatever, you have to decide on a particular story, are you a repeater or a reporter? Mm. So it's perfectly okay to be a repeater, Yeah, you know, because good. people find value in that information. But then sometimes we are the reporter. We're the first to bring the story to the market. And I don't get all uppity in my journalistic, you know, pride and think it's just a sin to, you know, repeat content. Because remember, I'm serving my reader by delivering them articles and information I think they're going to want to know. Right. I'm trying to shortcut and give them um, a heads up or a head start on finding information. So there's no shame in repeating these days. No, in not the, at all. In the old days... That was not something you wanted to do. But if you if you will watch news patterns, you're going to see a press release go out from a news source, and then every media outlet in the market pick that up and repeat it. And um, that's, right. that's cool. That's good. You know that that because you know remember some people come to our brand to look for their news, and we want to repeat what other people are reporting in other publications. But then we also want to add our stamp to it, our flavor and our style and our method of conversation, you know? And I think that's the, the thing about magazines is that, you know, they all have a voice and a personality. And it's much like this. It's like if you go talk to my daddy, you know, he's going to talk a certain way and he's not going to understand what you mean if you say IDK and LOL uh, he does not understand what it means to go to a coffee shop to work. That blows his mind. Yeah. Um, so the magazine has a voice and you um, a style to it that appeals to the audience. So you can take that news even when you're repeating it and put it in your voice and style that relates to your audience. So anyway, I rambled on a little bit here with this answer, but that's okay. Um the question really was, what is a magazine? And the takeaway that I want you guys to understand is that a magazine is not just print, not ink on paper. It is a multi-platform, 
body of work. Basically, we start with a story and then we distribute that story through all kind of means so that somebody could read it on their cell phone, they can listen to it on the radio, they can look at it on the website, they can flip through the print in the, in the doctor's office, but that story uh, lives across mediums. So that is lesson one, what is a magazine? I love it. Right. That's great. Right. And you're also right because every time I told either my mom or my grandma or any family member that I was going to work at the coffee shop, they would ask me, when did you get a job at Starbucks? Right. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. How did you get into this business? What's some life lessons that you've learned? When I was 17 years old, I was planning on going to Georgia Tech and become an architect. And at the last minute, I decided to change directions and go work for a startup company, which back in my time was not a cool thing to do like it is today. Um, back in my time, it was more like, you're going to do what? Um so I got into this graphic production business, and my father had um, a career in running printing companies and printing magazines and so forth. And so I always had this interest in communications from that angle. And these guys were starting a, a company to do graphic production, and I wanted to get involved with that. And so I went to work for this company as their first employee, and there were five partners in the business. And... If you've ever seen like five siblings fighting like cats and dogs, that's much like what this partnership was about. They were five partners, and from day one as a 17-year-old kid, I got to watch these grown men just battle it out for turf and control of this company. And so real quickly, the partnership started to erode, and one by one, these guys started getting booted out of the company. And what that meant for me was that... Um, I was the only employee. I was the only one being taught the techn technical aspects of how to produce graphics. And there was one of the partners who was the technical expert. The rest of them were sales, customer service. Well, he got booted out. And so what that meant at the ripe old age of 17, I was now the grand poobah of technology in this firm, not knowing how to do anything. So the partners started hiring bosses and bringing them in. Uh, because they needed somebody to run this operation. And so they would come in, they would work for a few months and not work out. And um, to, to make the long story short, by the time I was 21, I was basically the plant manager and running the company. And I remember that being very intimidating and scary because I only had the experience that I had developed there. I didn't have the expertise beyond what those guys had taught me in that short time. But I was running a company, and the employees that we started hiring were old enough, in many cases, to be my father. They had 15, 20 years' experience. And so imagine what that was like to try to take direction from a little kid. Mm. Um, and it was a very technical business, and I felt pressure to learn to do it well. And... Remember, I didn't have college, and there were college graduates coming in who professed to know more, do more than I, and so I really felt like I had to be up on my game. And one of the things that my original boss gave me was a book, and it was called the Kodak Graphic Arts Handbook. And I was running this business not knowing what I was doing, but I did something that my daddy always told me to do. 
He said, when in doubt, you need to RTB. And I'd be like, what do you mean, Pops? And he was like, RTB, man. I try to put together a desk. I try to work on the car. He said, you got to RTB. And what he meant was read the book. And so <laughs> great. I um, took that book and I read it step by step and page by page and basically taught myself the business reading the book. And that was the most valuable business lesson that I could ever give to somebody is that when you learn how to learn, you can do whatever you want to do in life. And while all these college graduates and industry veterans were coming in, all I did was take the book and turn to the table of contents and start following directions. And when I learned you could be successful doing that, my confidence soared, and I never lost that lesson. Mm. It did not matter to me that people came in professing to know how to do it. I just kept reading the book. Now, now it's like 40, how many, how old am I? It's like 42 years later, I still have that book on my bookshelf. And it's very uh, sentimental to me, as you can imagine, because it, it became the way that I developed and grew my career and ultimately ended up publishing a magazine. I just RTB. So when in doubt, RTB. The thing about it is today is that RTB is not relevant. See, for you guys and for the world today, it's turned from RTB to JGI. Just Google it. JGI, that's the key to success. You can find anything you want on Google. That's right. And I think that if you understand that there's a wealth of knowledge, I mean, just think about what's on Google and YouTube and all this. There's no excuse for this generation to succeed because you can find lessons on anything that you want. You just have to have the will and the initiative and the courage to take that knowledge and apply it in real life. Mm. So do I value education? I absolutely do. Do I recommend going to college? I absolutely do. Um, Adapting lifelong learning is just a key to success, period. And I don't care how old you are. I have never stopped learning. I have never lost curiosity. I have always operated with that that confidence, which was really a gift to me early on in my career, that you can learn to learn. You, when, you, when you learn to learn, you got it made. If you know that you can do that, when I went out to a client, they would say, hey, man, can you do a video on blah, blah, blah? I would go, yep, absolutely can. Never picked up a video camera in my life, but I was armed with the confidence that I could go learn it. And I think that's what Business people and students alike ought to understand is that, you know, you can learn and change the trajectory of your life in any subject, any day. And I think that um, it's something that is timeless and affects all age groups. And it may have changed from RTB, read the book, to just Google it, but the principle is still the same. And I think that if, if, if when somebody asks me the question, you know, what is a single piece of advice or the single most important factor in success, I would say it is just that, learning and applying that knowledge. And that is where we'll end it for today's podcast. Thanks for joining us. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Ain't it amazing what some people do
Gwinnett Podcast is brought to you by Gwinnett Magazine, recorded at Story Road Studios, produced by me, Nate McGill, hosted with David Greer, and music by Levi Lowry. To never miss an episode, make sure you hit subscribe. Some wear badges and others white jackets, and they put us back together again. The preachers and teachers and professional reachers keep believing in us when we came. We're coming all colors and shapes and sizes, God painted it that way.